Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Good morning, Community Christian Church. It's so good to have you here this morning. For those of you joining us online, welcome to church this morning. Who's glad they tuned in for church today? Yeah, come on. There is no better place to be, in my opinion, around my friends, around my family, around my church friends and family, just going after God in worship, seeing what God does, connecting, like Phil said, sharpening one another, diving into God's word. There's something so special about that. Today, I'm so excited to be a part of this series. We've been, this is probably one of the longer series we've done at CCC, to my recollection. I've been around a little bit, and uh, what I love, though, is taking the book of Mark and going a little bit deeper than maybe just uh, a week or two in, but something about almost chapter by chapter, note by note, and really seeing what this gospel has in store. And I'm excited to be a part of it because I'm sharing on my personal favorite part. And I'm glad that I'm very uh, happy that PT asked me to share on this one because it is right in my wheelhouse. So if my uh, energy just starts, if I start to vibrate on the stage, just someone hold me still, set me back in the middle and I'll keep going. But I am so fired up to share today. Today I'm going to be speaking on Mark chapter 16 and we're going to be looking at the Great Commission. I don't know if there's a better place to go in the Bible than the Great Commission. That's what we're going to dive in today. And uh, maybe for some of you, you've heard messages on the Great Commission before. Maybe you've heard this and you're maybe thinking, ah, buckle up, he's just going to tell me to talk to people about Jesus more. He's going to, I'm going to, let me preface by saying, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction this morning, but I need your help this morning. I need you guys to be a participator in this service today. The way we're going to do this is, before I dive in, I want you to take a minute, I'm going to pray here in just a moment, but I want you to open your mind and open your heart to, a, to be ready to receive. Because today I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge me. I'm going to challenge the church to really take this and take it from our heads and bring it down into our hearts, into our spirit today. And it's only by an act of God to make that happen. But he needs open minds and open hearts. So I'm going to pray for our service today. But I want you to consciously make that decision this morning to really take in what we have this morning. Let's do that. Jesus, we love you so much. We want you to be glorified today as we dive into your word that's living and active. Holy Spirit, would you take this revelation from our minds and bring it into our spirit today? Would you set our hearts ablaze for the gospel? Make it anew, God. Like we sang today, would you fan it into flame with that fresh wind, God? Today is the day of the Lord, and we will not let it pass by without acknowledging it. God, we love you. Would you breathe on this service? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, here we go. So how many of you guys have watched a movie, read a book, listened to a podcast or something, and got really fired up about it? If maybe you're the type of person who you watched a movie, and no matter the context or who or where you were at, you are recommending that movie. How many of you are that person? Or if you're married to that person, just like give him an elbow real quick because Darlene would be doing that to me right now. I am naturally kind of a passionate person. I am energy. I love being inspired. And uh, it happens often in the context of movies or books. 
And I will admit, I'm a sucker for action movies. How many of you guys, maybe the men out there, you walked out of like a racing movie or a spy espionage movie, and you just drive a little bit more aggressive at that drive home. Or you're just kind of looking around corners a little extra suspicious, like, I wish there was a guy there. See what happens. See what, you know. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's you. I am that way. And uh, I want to tell you a story today of how that got me in a little bit of trouble. So I, I want to take you back to high school, Tyler. And uh, this was a very confident, uh, thought he was indestructible version of Tyler. So that, you have that context for the bad decision I made. Uh, I was with a group of friends. I was maybe a sophomore or junior in high school. And I was staying with a group of friends at a buddy's house. And we were doing a marathon of movies, like just dude action movies. And one of them was this MMA, like mixed martial arts boxing movie. Some of you are seeing where this is going already. So I have me and two friends. We watched this movie. And these two guys in the ring, they're just going toe to toe. There's action. There's blood. There's epic music. It's just intense. And almost telepathically, this nonverbal communication happened as the credits rolled. We looked at each other. And the nonverbal message was, get the gloves. And these were not like regulation or anything. They were like my buddy's dad's old, worn out, no more padding boxing gloves with no headgear. And we said, ding, ding, let's do this thing. And so we start going and we are, you know, taking turns round by round, just beating on each other. Well, as men typically do, especially young men, someone I was going against my buddy, we're about the same size, and I zipped him right in the nose. A little bit of blood, his eyes start to water, and I saw in his eyes, it went from, oh, we're having fun, to, I'm going to take your head off. <laughs> it, just, it just flipped. And so he's just, his whole body, whoo, left hook, right hook, and I'm like, in my head, I had the conversation of, this is no longer fun, I don't want to do this anymore, please get me out of here. I'm doing that as I'm like dodging punches. But then I'm thinking, well, I, the only way out of here is to fight my way out. So then I start throwing haymakers. Well, I'm not too uh, manly and too macho to admit I caught one of his full-force haymakers right to my eye, and I went out, like out, out. Caught right in the eye, and I just, like, a, like I fell asleep on my feet. Thankfully, my other friend caught me before I hit the ground. And thankfully, I woke up, too, and had a big shiner on my eye and everything. And I just remember thinking, man, I don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> that wasn't fun. And I don't know why anybody does this. And I learned real quick that no matter how inspired I was by this movie, it wasn't until a hint of opposition or a really heavy right hand that I realized this isn't what I was meant to do. And so I made the intelligent decision to let movies be movies and let fighters be fighters, and I will stay out of that realm. Um, and so since then, I still get inspired by movies, and I still get inspired by books, podcasts, things like that, but I had to learn to understand when I'm just being fired up and when something is a life-altering thing. Every action movie is not the life decision to like go be in the Navy SEALs. It is sometimes just fun to be inspired and have a little bit of passion. But that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the difference between passion and inspiration and purpose. Kingdom purpose. And I want to talk about how they work together, but
but also how we have to identify them as separate. So if we were to look at my story uh, and how it ended, we see that passion can make us do just about anything. Maybe you meet the man or woman of your dreams and you are just enraptured by their beauty or by their manliness. And your, your passion says, I would run the lengths of the, like, the country to get you back. I would spend every dollar in my bank account. Passion will get us to do things that maybe to someone else it's a little illogical. Passion is emotional. It's hot. It's right in the moment, but it's also fleeting when it meets some opposition. Or after a duration of time, it kind of burns out. Whereas purpose, it's sustaining. When those mountains or those speed bumps hit you, and life throws the curveball. Maybe you get knocked off the horse a little bit, but purpose says, this is bigger than just me. I have to get back on the horse. I have to keep going. Purpose is sustaining. Purpose is sustaining. Passion can be fleeting. But they don't work in opposite. They can work together. While you are on your purpose, passion can be that shot in the arm, that electricity that refires you back up as you're on the journey. But the, you, we need to be mindful to not be led astray from purpose just because passion knocks on the door. I think of it like this. Uh, all of us Michiganders, you've probably sat around a bonfire or two in your life, right? Who's bonfires, everybody? Yes. So I'm no Boy Scout or anything, but I've made a fire or two in my life. When you make a bonfire, you put the big stuff at the bottom, then you have the kindling and the newspaper or maybe the paper plates from dinner at the top. And if you want to cheat and make it go faster, you put the gas or the lighter fluid on the top and you light it, right? But you can't make an entire fire out of the kindling, right? Because if you did that, it would burn up immediately and you'd be cold in 20 minutes. The best bonfires are when you have that big, dense, heavy log at the bottom. And as it gets that heat, it burns hotter than any of that kindling ever could. And not only does it burn hot, it burns longer. Even after buckets of water, it will still have that heat deep within the core of that log. And sometimes it'll, take, it'll still be hot by the morning. Today, I want us to find that the base of the bonfire of our hearts today. And I want the heat of the gospel to take hold of it today. That's what we're here for. It's easy to hear messages and let the kindling burn up. You have a good worship set like we had today. I like worship, it fires me up. A good message, a good podcast or something like that, you're just inspired. But I want it to move from the kindling stage and I want it to move into the, the, the base of the campfire of our soul. And I want the sustaining embers of our soul to be lit ablaze with the gospel today. And that's what we're going to look at. So if you have your Bibles or if you want to follow along on the screen, turn to the Gospel of Mark. I'm going to teach you like the kids, Matthew, Mark, second one in the New Testament. And you're going to go to chapter 16. We're going to go to the very back. Mark chapter 16, and we're going to look at verses 15 through 20. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn, follow along. If not, you can uh, go with me on the screen. While you're turning there, I want to give a little context. The author of Mark is a gentleman by the name of John Mark. And John Mark is a special human being. He's a special guy because not only was he friends with Peter... He was also friends with Paul. And scripture tells us that he would go on some of their missionary journeys and he saw firsthand 
some of the incredible things of the first church being established. These missionary journeys, the miraculous signs and wonders that accompanied them, the opposition, but the eternal passion and the eternal purpose that the gospel set in these men. John Mark was an eyewitness of it. What I love, too, is that his gospel account was written for a Hebrew audience. He wanted to make sure that every Hebrew uh, audience member of his reading, or of his text, would know that Jesus was, in fact, the uh, Messiah that they had been promised for generations. He wanted that to be established, and that Jesus' divinity had to be established. What I love, too, is that Mark was kind of a fly on the wall for a couple of big moments. It says that he was present at Gethsemane, and he was a young man watching kind of from the, from the edges, from a safe distance, Scripture says. He saw Jesus in that moment of anguish. Scholars actually believe that the Last Supper took place in Mark's home. So Mark was right there. And I like to believe that when you're around something like that, when you're around Jesus, there's a, a rubbing off that happens, like a... There, that spirit that Jesus was walking in was getting onto him. And so that inspiration from the Holy Spirit, as he put pen to paper, I really believe Mark had a, a kingdom purpose in mind for the church that would have come thousands of years later, meaning for us. There was something extra on it. So let's zoom in. Let's take a look at Mark 16, 15 through 20 and see what, uh, what these parting words from Jesus is. This is post-Easter, Jesus is alive out of the tomb, but before he's ascended into heaven. So it's in that window right there that we get this text. You can follow along with me. Starting in verse 15, it says, He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons... They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. So there's a a bit to unpack here. There's a lot of action happening in just these five simple verses. But what I want to do is start to break it down section by section and highlight what I believe Mark was trying to get across us, the thread in each of these uh, chunks of this passage. But I want to set the stage first. When we look at the life of Jesus and the mission of Jesus when he came and died on the cross, we just celebrated last week the monumental moment of Easter, the completed work of Jesus when he hangs on the cross and yells, it is finished. He meant it and all of heaven and earth shook in that moment because everything changed. But when he did that, it wasn't just for his own sake. It was for every single human to ever exist in the past, present, or future. God showed us in this moment the eternal value he has for you. All of heaven was given up in a moment thinking of you. And that can't be lost on us. It's so easy to just go to church in and out, but forget what heaven had to pay to get you. And the reason I say that is because it's so easy to look at ourselves and to devalue ourselves. Or even more so to look at the people around us and devalue the value God has put on them. 
that's hard to do because our perspective is geared through one lens, the human lens, the broken world lens. But when we ask the Holy Spirit to intervene in our lives, we are given a new lens to see people. And it's with the value that Jesus demonstrated on the cross. We see it in John 3, 16 and 17. Everybody knows it from their uh, children's ministry days probably. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But verse 17 gets me. It says, For God did not send his Son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God gave the most precious value asset he had in heaven. Had your face in his mind and said it's worth it. Don't ever forget that. So when you go out into the world and when we talk about the Great Commission today, you're not looking at another person. You're looking at the eternal, the uh, entire value of heaven given for that person. That server at the restaurant, the person who cuts you off in, on, on Ryan Road, the person who uh, bothers you the most at work, the person, whatever, fill in the blank with whatever's going on in your life. The weight of heaven was given with their name and their face in mind. I want us to look at this passage with that lens. So let's dive in. I want to start at verse 15. He said, go to, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. What's the takeaway here? It's pretty simple to me. It's, we have a preaching task. We have a mandate. And I want us, I just, I feel prompted to, uh, I feel prompted to say that because I know we know it in some ways, but it's good to say it again because sometimes maybe we lose the why we're here. We're not just here to work, take care of kids, and move on. We have a task. Our life is bigger than our own. It's bigger than the little uh, sphere that we live in. You have been given, not just corporate church, not just pastors, not just evangelists, every single one of us has been given a task from the creator of heaven and earth that we would see the world saved. And God, through his grace and through his power, is using us. That's amazing. That we get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. He gave us the job. What an amazing thing. That, what value to see us be used by the creator of heaven and earth. He could snap his fingers and things would change. But he would rather empower us, empower you, to be kingdom and heaven carriers in our time on the earth. We have a preaching task. Let's look at, uh, continue to verse 17. It says, these signs will accompany those who believe. I'm going to take a time out real quick. I know there are pastors and preachers. People might get a little intimidated to preach this passage because Jesus gives some very definitive uh, verbiage. You will see this. You will see this. And that's good. What I want to do is I want us to read this and then I'm going to kind of break it down to what this means for us. But it's really important. So don't throw anything away from what you walked in the door with today. It says, These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on, the sick, on sick people and they will get well. What's the thread here? What's the takeaway? The church has power. The church has power. Jesus gives us this wide array of some of the most daring and faith-filled acts a human could ever encounter in their time on earth. 
And I want to tell you right here and now, the miraculous still exists. If we put our faith in, in a supernatural, powerful God, and we ask for him to intervene in our lives, he absolutely will. God who is bigger than us, God who his ways are higher than our ways, will do things on his timing. But when we ask him to be a part of our lives in our day-to-day, we will see him move. Now, let me also add, I'm not asking you to go handle deadly snakes right now. I'm not asking you to go get the uh, deadly poison from under your sink and, and partake. What I'm asking you to do, though, is to walk not in uh, the woe-is-me Christian uh, uh, oppressed by the world. I'm asking you to shift your perspective and say you have heaven's power coursing through your spirit because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that we celebrated last week lives in you today. And if we can walk in that, you will not walk as a victim, but as a conqueror in Jesus' name. So when we see this language here from Jesus, you you can absolutely pray and see sick healed. I've seen it. You can see the dead raised. You can see the miraculous happen. But I want to tell you, I know God works in his own ways, but that's never going to stop me from praying. God works in his own ways, but that should never stop the church from believing for the miraculous in our time here on earth. So I want us to take that away. The church has a source of power, a power unknown to mankind because it's from heaven, and it's God intervening on the earth through us. So let's keep going. Verse 19 says, After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. So what's the takeaway here? The church, the believer, us, we are never alone. We are never alone. Jesus tells us earlier in Mark that he had to leave. He would have to die and go to heaven to give us the Holy Spirit. What's so powerful is right after this moment, Jesus ascends into heaven. In Acts 2, we see the, the disciples are in the upper room praying and the Holy Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost, and the, belie- and the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that filling of the Holy Spirit inspired and gave them new purpose and new passion and new boldness to step out into an oppressive world and preach the gospel. And the scripture tells us that thousands were added to their number daily. Thousands. Miracle signs, wonders accompanied them wherever they went. When we invite the Holy Spirit to take the lead, anything is possible. We are never alone. You go to work and you are just in the weeds with with a situation. You are never alone. The Holy Spirit is there to give you wisdom and direction through every step of the way. Even from word to word, statement to statement, the Holy Spirit is all over if you let him. If you are parenting kids and those kids are just driving you nuts, you just don't know if there's, like, are they getting it? The Holy Spirit is on every word, every action, every behavior, if you let him in. We are never alone, even when you feel the most alone. The Holy Spirit is there to comfort. He's there to reveal scripture to us. He's there to guide us and lead us. He's there to intercede for us between us and heaven. The Holy Spirit's power is vital to the believer, but it will keep its distance unless we invite it in. God will 
in his own way, let us take on the world by ourselves if we choose to. But why? Why would we ever do that? When we have the power of heaven, the Holy Spirit who wants to be with us, all we got to say is, yes, Lord. He's just waiting for your yes. He's waiting for your permission to open the door and let him in. I've heard it said that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, that he will take his time and knock on the door. And you have all the right in the world to say yes or to say no. But church, is it even a question? Is it even a question this morning? He's waiting for your yes. So we look at this, in, uh, or last point actually, before I move on, I want to make this point. The promise of miracles that Jesus gives us here is evidence of the value he puts on us. The, the promise of miracles is the evidence of your value. And I say that to mean that we are not in this alone, that when you are living your life as a testimony of the gospel impact on your life, when you are sharing your faith, when you are doing that, the Holy Spirit is there ready to move. And if you invite a miraculous, heaven-wielding Holy Spirit into the situation, just buckle up. Because the supernatural can take place at any moment. Just ask for it. Ask for God to intervene on your situation and then let him do his thing. I promise you, you will never be disappointed when you let the Holy Spirit get involved. So now what do we do? We've looked at the scripture. We have some thoughts. But how do we then take this on this Sunday afternoon, get into our cars and go home, go to work tomorrow? What do we do from here? This is what we do. Number one, it starts with, or number one, uh, go to the place that God has put you. Go to the place. That's the world God has given you to start. Go to the place that God has put you. Your work, your home, your church, your community, your neighborhood. Start where God has placed you. And if everybody can do that part, the impact is global. I want to share a little example here. I pulled a video. I attended Oral Roberts University for my college degree. And for anybody that was following college basketball this year, saw that ORU made a legitimately miraculous run in the, in the basketball tournament by making it all the way to the Sweet 16. From the conference tournament hitting a buzzer beater three to get in, to beating Ohio State, the University of Florida, and then getting all the way to the Sweet 16. They had the nation's eyes on them. For the first time ORU had ever gotten there. But what I loved and what I take so much pride in for, this, for my school, it's a Christian school, is that the moment never got too big to share the gospel. So I want to show you guys a clip and we'll talk about it if you, if you guys can show it. Uh, I, I mean, I, I tell our guys this often. Uh, we need to use our God-given abilities for God-given reasons. And, and, and we need to make sure. I, in a hundred years, none of us will be here. Okay. Um, and and which, what our guys need to understand is, is we're really not that important, and you need to know that. As much as I admire Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., there aren't three people who gather every Sunday to celebrate his greatness. So we're not going to sit around and act like we're great. Now, 120 million people gather every Sunday, 180 million on Easter, to celebrate one name, and that is the name of Jesus Christ. And so to be at an institution that honors that 
there is no other name under heaven and earth which man must be saved. To be at an institution that honors that and we can give them something to celebrate, but at the same time, we are not that important. And, and our guys need to understand that. I do, they're, they're teenagers, um, early 20s, but by the same token, um, we are so thankful for the support and the people uh, because we want to do this the right way. I love this, I love this little interview. This is the, um, the head coach of Oral Roberts University's basketball team. This is after qualifying for the Sweet 16. They just upset the University of Florida in epic fashion. Nobody was banking on them to win. Vegas had them as double-digit uh, dogs in this game. I mean, they were not projected to win this game. In a, in a real David and Goliath story, won the game. But what I loved is that at, after being exhausted, the coach, he coached his heart out, screaming and yelling and getting in the game. The, the lights of all the journalists across the country are in front of him. He's exhausted, but not too lost in the moment to acknowledge why they're here. And I, I use this example not to say, like, all right, now get your face on national television to preach the gospel. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's possible for the world to not get on top of us. It's possible to go into your world, despite how tired, exhausted, frustrated, whatever, and be mindful of the Holy Spirit's power to share truth in a relative world, to share the power of Jesus on a stage that we, he probably doesn't even realize how impactful that was as millions of people watch. But what I love is that God will give you moments if you ask. And then it's doing your best when the moments are given to you to see heaven meet earth. And in this moment, ORU and, and the basketball team got to tell the world why they play basketball. And it's to see the name of Jesus lifted above every name and to see his name be glorified among all men. It was, it was such a cool moment. But for you, for us, the Great Commission goes to our homes. It goes to our workplaces. It goes to uh, wherever you find yourself. And I've actually heard it said, too, that it's not always the words you say, but how you walk it out. It's definitely, it's not, I could stand up here and give you the best message ever preached, and it will pale in comparison to the life you live among your peers. It will pale in comparison in effectiveness to how you carry yourself when you walk into the world. So church, there's the challenge. It's not asking you to behave right. It's asking you to have the Holy Spirit lead you and everything else will fall into alignment. It's not behavior modification. It's Holy Spirit empowerment. Let me make that distinction. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to make this distinction because in, in church world, it can be kind of messy in some ways that, sure, behavior change happens, but that's not the point. The point is that the Holy Spirit empowers you, and that Holy Spirit bubbling up in your soul causes your whole world to change. And that leads me into my next point, that the next thing we can do is let the gospel, let the Great Commission start in us. I like to think of it like this. For anybody that does any gardening or anything, think of your spirit as a flower. And a healthy flower produces good seeds. And at the end of a season, you take those seeds and you can make more flowers. But a sick plant or a dying plant does not produce good seed. 
How are we tending to this, the flower that is our spirit? Are we producing good seed? Because the thing is, when we walk into our life, that seed, that our life is that testimony. And I know, listen, I, I'm not, I'm not going to try and pretend like this isn't hard sometimes. That's why there's a difference between the passion and the purpose. Because when we get a hold of this, purpose keeps us going. When we know that the creator of heaven and earth commissioned us to this, that will get us through the hard times, through the obstacles, and to keep sharing, to keep living it, to keep pressing in, to keep pulling on God, saying, God, I need more. I need more. I need more. Passion will be fleeting. You walk out of a good message, but the first time someone cuts you off, it's gone. It's okay. The ups and downs will come. But when you know your kingdom purpose, you, com- you become unfazed by what the world throws at you. Darlene and I have been doing this study through the book of Romans, and we learned about the oppression that Paul took. And Paul, after his conversion uh, on the road to Damascus, we see that he was a very terrible person and in a moment became an incredible man of God, ready to lay his life down for the kingdom cause. Paul endured so much. It was never circumstantial in good, good moments that allowed him to preach the gospel. It was the purpose deep in his heart. So I want to encourage you as we get ready to wrap up here and worship team, if you guys want to make your way up, that'd be great. If you're waiting for a good circumstance or waiting for, waiting for life to be just right to preach the gospel, you're going to be waiting a really long time. I'm just, I'm telling you now, and I don't mean to be the bad guy here. I'm just telling you, life will never be so comfortable that preaching the gospel is going to be easy. All it's going to be is you living your life day to day and giving your life to the Holy Spirit, giving it to God, that even among the chaos, among the storm, among the ups and downs, the gospel seed of of that flower, like I said, is going forth. Your job, your mandate, your commissioning is to see heaven meet earth. And what an honor it is to be used by Jesus in this way. Church, we're going to step into a time of worship here soon. But I don't want this moment to just pass us by. If you would say, Tyler, when I think about that bonfire of my soul, I'm just a bunch of kindling right now. I don't have any substance there. Or my flame is getting real, real low. Maybe it's out. Don't let today pass by without asking the Holy Spirit to reignite you for a new purpose, for a renewed purpose. Don't let today pass by. Because sometimes whoever you may meet, that could be the only connection to heaven they might get that day. It's us. It's a big responsibility, but it's when you have the power of heaven behind you, we can handle it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you all to stand and I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit big this morning. I'm going to ask him for some big things. And I want you to believe in faith and tap into that. And then as we worship, I just want you to sing this as your prayer. So Holy Spirit, right now, we need a, your wind to blow on this room, to blow on our viewers online in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, would you take the hearts of every person listening under the sound of my voice? Would you ignite their soul to see the gospel move on this earth? 
Holy Spirit, would you take every life that, that is under the sound of my voice and make it a testament and a testimony to the goodness and grace that was poured out on the cross all those years ago. God, we are asking that for the sake of the world that you would ignite a fire in us today. God, we need you now more than ever. Would you set us ablaze in Jesus' name? Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.